Online Crossroads fam, glad that you're here with us for another podcast. This is Kenny, and uh, we're starting a new series. We're we're into April. We're getting close to all of our senior things, and there are messages that you want to leave with your students when they are stepping out into their new journey, the new chapter in their life. And so tonight, we're doing an introduction, or in this podcast, I should say, we're doing an introduction to our next series, our series that will finish up this uh school year and get us ready for the summer. And we're looking at probably one of the most famous passages in the Bible, um, the 23rd Psalm. This is a, a verse that many people have heard. Lots of people have memorized it. You hear it in just about every area of life, uh, from weddings to funerals. It's in a little bit of everything. Uh, but there are five words that our series will take us through. And uh, those five words are, are huge in our life, that the Lord is my shepherd. And those are five words that we'll be looking at. This message that I heard from Ed Newton when I, we were coming back from a vacation, I was listening to a podcast and I heard it. I just can't get it out of my mind. So tonight what we're going to do is we're introducing it, but we're just going to look at the 23rd Psalm tonight and see maybe a different perspective of what David was saying, why he was saying what he said, the way he said it, and also what that might mean in our life. So thank you for listening to this podcast. I hope God speaks to you through it. And as always, welcome to Crossroads. Thank y'all for being here. Of course, tonight we are going to start our new series. And like I said, it's going to be broken up because next week we won't be here. We're going to do an introduction tonight. Uh, next week we won't be here. We'll be over with the adults for National Day of Prayer. And then on the 15th, of course, is our Senior Crossroads Night. So we won't be having our Bible study night. That's the night we'll give it to our seniors and allow them to speak. Of course, I hadn't had any of them respond to me that they're coming. So it might just be me up there. I'll be there. Do what? I sent a letter to everyone. It's parents to the parents of yeah I can see you I'm sorry I yeah so anyway uh, I'll send some I'll send stuff to our students as well but anyway um, so we're looking forward to seeing your crossroads it's always a tough night for me because I'm watching my students that, that I've just loved on for so many years walk away but that's part of it so anyway we are starting tonight of course our study tonight is Psalm 23, and I don't have, anyway, it was that sheep. I don't have my phone with me now, so I don't know where it is. Is it right here? No, it's not. Is it back there, John? It's back there, John. Y'all forgive me. I'm a little out of sorts right now. It's okay. How you doing? Hey, good prayer, by the way. I like that. Bear with me. See, y'all don't remember we are having technical difficulties. Please stand by. Y'all remember that though, right? Yes. My dad go, go stand by the TV. <laughs> and it never worked, so. All of that for this. I want you to see the little sheep. So anyway, <laughs> I just think it's cute. <laughs> so, and there'll be a lot of sounds probably as we do. Anyway, last week I told you you had some homework. And the homework you had was to read the 23rd Psalm. And one of the reasons that I wanted you to read that is because it's going to be the center of what we're doing for the next series. Uh, this series is going to take about seven weeks, even though there's only five points after tonight. It's going to take a little bit of time because of the breaks. But this passage of Scripture is probably one of the most famous passages of Scripture in the Bible. Uh, does anybody know the first five words of the 23rd Psalm? I, the whole thing you want. No, just first five words. The Lord is my shepherd. The Lord is my shepherd. I quizzed my son on it today and he went, Lord is my shepherd. I said, all right, now if I ask tonight, will you say that? 
maybe. <laughs> I was like, jerk, walk the rest of the way. So anyway, 23rd Psalm. And what we're going to do tonight is we're going to look at this passage of Scripture and just talk a little bit about what David is talking about. Now, we, we know who David is. Somebody tell me something about David. His name was David. His name was David. Thank you. Yes. All right, let's have a prayer and you'll be dismissed. Slay the big man. Anyone else? I'm waiting for somebody to say he was watching Bathsheba. Bathsheba, take a bath. What if she was taking a shower? Shower Sheba? <laughs> right now God's going, I can't believe I even created that. I don't know what that is. So. Um, but yeah, he was a king, considered to be one of the greatest kings. But one of the things that David says is, I feel alone. I feel that I have wandered from God and I'm all by myself. And we see that he is saying that he feels like he has deserted himself from God, but there is no desert in him. He is not deserted. He knows that God is with him. He knows that, they, that God has something powerful that he's going to do through him. And in the lowest of lows, when, when David was... Uh, seeing Bathsheba, and when David had Bathsheba's husband killed, he realized that he had fallen far away from God. But as we read later in Scripture, David is considered a man after God's own heart. And as he writes this psalm, you see what his pain is, but you also see the preservation of what God is. So if you would, take your piece of paper. If you've got your Bible, turn to 23rd Psalm. We, we uh, gave you the passage out of the ESV uh, just because I love the way it's written in that. And so we're going to look at this passage of Scripture. If you've got it, say got it. Man, y'all make a whole lot more noise than that. If you've got it, say got it. All right. <laughs> a little slow, but I got you, come. Here we go. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me to lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside the still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in the path of righteousness for his name's sake. And even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before my enemies in the presence of, uh, in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. So many things in this passage of Scripture, it just really speaks to what we are as Christians today. It speaks to the times that we feel like we are low. But we know that God is with us. We know that there is something powerful found in God in that relationship that we have with God. There are times that things happen in our life that we can't understand, but we know that God is there to carry us through those times. In the lowest of our lows, we know that the great I am is still the great I am. And so that's what this scripture is hitting at. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me to lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside the still waters. Now the reason that passage sticks out is because a sheep will not drink from rushing water. A sheep will die with a river right in front of it if the water's moving too fast. A good shepherd knows that. A good shepherd knows that I've got to take care of my sheep. And when he says that I shall not want, God is going to provide for our needs. Now, it doesn't mean that you're going to get everything you want. We moved into our house 10 years ago, and I've been wanting a driveway ever since then. God has not seen fit to have somebody come and give me a driveway, but he gave me a four-wheel drive vehicle so I can get in and out of it. He provided for my needs. And that's a, that's a silly little thing, but there are many things in our life that God prepares, that, that God has prepared for and he is taking care of for us. He takes us to these green pastures. What that's saying is the nourishment that you need. 
what you need to sustain yourself. You know, we, we talked about a couple of months ago when, when we were doing the Lord's Prayer and it says, give us this day our daily bread. We understand that daily we need to go to the Word of God because it's the bread of life. And that every day there is sustenance found in what God has given to us. There is life preservation found in His Word. There are things that are going to help us through our trials, through our daily life even. But it's one of these things that we don't need to try to fill up on one day and think it's going to sustain us for the week. We need to be going to it daily. That's those green pastures. A good shepherd understands that his sheep must have good food. If it's going to produce the wool that it should, if it would produce the meat that it should, the good shepherd is going to be leading it. And a shepherd is never still. They don't find one spot and just sit there. Those sheep are constantly moving. And that shepherd is the one who says that he leads the, shepherd, uh, the sheep. The sheep are led by him. The difference between shepherds over here in the United States and shepherds over there, shepherds over here, they push the cattle along. They push the sheep around. But the good shepherd, or the shepherds from the east, Middle East, they call their sheep. And those sheep follow them. He leads them. He leads them to these green pastures. He, he leads them beside the still water. This water that they need. The life-giving water of God. He restores their soul. He leads through the path of righteousness for His namesake. The name of God. We talked about how holy His name is. And these paths that we take, there's a reason that God allows things to happen in our life. Whether it's good or bad, it's to glorify God. And that's hard for us to understand because if something bad happens to us, how can we glorify God in those times? I had a lady come to me the other day, and uh, she, it was last Friday, and I was on call. And, and she called, and she said, are you the pastor on call? And I said, yes, ma'am, I am. And she said, well, can I come talk to you? And I said, are you okay? And she said, I don't know what I am right now. I said, okay. And so I tried to finish up what I was doing, and all of a sudden I heard her scurry up the stairs and come into my office, and she sat down, and I said, tell me what's going on. And she goes, <gasps> and she just burst into tears. And, of course, immediately I'm going, okay, there's something wrong in her family. There's something wrong with her husband. There's something wrong with her parents. What's going on? And she looks at me, and she says, I'm going to be a grandmother. And I just burst into this greatest smile. It had to be a good smile. Jessica says my smile is kind of creepy. But I thought it was a good smile. And I just smiled. And I'm looking at her. And she's boohooing her eyes out. And I'm thinking, that's a good thing. A baby's a good thing. And she said, but Kenny, my daughter's not married. And I went, oh. And she just looked at me. And she was like, and you're okay with this? I said, well, not really, but... It's okay. And she said, how can it be okay? I said, God has never been surprised by a baby. And she just looked at me. I said, it might not have been your daughter's plans. might not have been the father's plans. might not be your plans. But God has plans we don't understand. And that baby can be something that glorifies God. We take these opportunities through the name of Jesus to glorify Him in the things that come our way. What might seem like a trial in our life might be something to help someone else. And I say this all the time, but talking back to when my mother and father were dealing with the illness that they had through Alzheimer's and dementia and ultimately through their loss of life, people would ask, how are you dealing with this? Well, we know it's temporary. God's taking care of it. We would have our moments where we'd go around and kick trees. That's just part of, of dealing with, with sorrow, I guess. But since that has happened, I've been able to help others just with my story. That, yes, it's going to stink at times, but God's got a reason for it. 
And a lot of times the things that go on in our life aren't really even about us. You know the story of Joseph and the fact that he was sold into slavery by his brothers. And you read this whole story and it talks about him being thrown in jail and being raised to an elevated place out of prison because he could interpret dreams. And all these different things that he did. And then, and then he was thrown back in jail because Potiphar's wife was saying that, she was, that he was trying to abduct her and all this stuff. And then you come to find out that once he is elevated again, he saves a whole nation because he had stored grain. And his brothers are the ones that are coming to him asking for food, not even knowing who he was. So we find that everything he went through really didn't have anything to do about him. But because of his faithfulness, he was able to save so many people. The trials that we go through, at the end of that trial, there's a celebration found in Christ. And that's what we lean on. And that's what we're talking about in this. For his name's sake, even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. What's something you're afraid of? I'll go first. Snakes. Spiders? Spiders? Yes. Right. What? Roaches. Roaches? So the other night, Jessica comes in and she goes, Would you kill that roach? And I went, Yeah. What roach? She said, I moved your towel in the bathroom and it jumped on my hand. I was like, Ugh. Well, I thought she was going to. And then she says, It's in the shower. And I was like, Well, it needs a shower. Turn the water. Ah! Roaches don't shower. And then our shower is gray and brown, and I can't see it. I'm like, yeah, ooh, that's a big one, Jessica. Oh, gosh, how did you survive? I'm surprised it didn't break your arm. And then finally, she kind of showed me where it was, and it was about the size of my pinky fingernail. <laughs> I killed it, though. And if you're an animal lover, I don't care. I killed the roach, okay? Flushed it down the toilet, ba-bam. So, but she was afraid of that moment. I'm horrified of snakes. I just, yeah, they give me the heaps. But there are things that we're afraid of. And as you read this passage of Scripture, you got to understand, when, when you write a letter, if you were to go in to write a letter today, you would write to, about things that we can relate to. We're in Chilton County. You would probably have something to say about potholes and peaches because we understand that. We dodge potholes if we enjoy peaches. And if you don't enjoy peaches, you still dodge potholes. So that's, that's the way it would be written today. But as we read this scripture, you see what he's talking about. He says, though uh, he leads me through the valley of the shadow of death. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. These valleys, you got to understand that there were places that, that people traveled, caravans would travel. And only certain times of the year would they use certain valleys because it would flood. And in these flood times, they would go through and, and, and they would have to take different trails. But as soon as the flooding stopped and the land dried up, there were little canyons cut all through the land. And it was shortcuts for them to go. And around curves in these canyons is where the criminals would hang out. And they would hide behind certain areas. And he understood that. And he understood that when he writes this, people are going to understand that though I'm walking through this valley, the valley of the shadow of death, because many of the criminals, not only would they steal what you had, they would kill you to take what you had. So they understood that they had friends, they had relatives that had died that death. So as he's writing this, he says, even though I'm walking through that valley where your brother died, I'm not going to fear. I'm not going to fear. I won't fear evil. And they said, how can you not fear evil? He says, well, I'm glad you asked, for you are with me. And when he says you are with me, God is with me. In World War I, there was an army chaplain, and he was getting ready to try to encourage the soldiers as they were going into battle. 
And he prayed and prayed and said, what can I do to encourage these soldiers as they're going in battle? Many of these soldiers, when they go into the battle, they're never going to come back. What can I say to them that's going to give them that encouragement? And God spoke a word on him. And a couple of weeks ago, I told you to put up a five with your left hand. And there's a reason for that. This is what that chaplain did. He wrote Psalm 23 on his hand. And as he's speaking to these soldiers, he holds up his left hand. And he says, Psalm 23, and he recites the passage. He said, but what I want you to hold on to are the first five words of that. The Lord is my shepherd. And those five words are something I really want you to cling to. And he said, the, it's a small word, but it's so important. He said, the Lord. He said, the reason I chose this finger for the Lord is because I've got a ring on my finger. And it shows a ring indicates that I'm in a committed relationship. And as I hold on to the Lord, I'm in a committed relationship with my Lord. He said, is, is the middle of this. He said, it's so important because it's not he was my God or he could be my God. He is my God now. He is my shepherd now. My shepherd. The Lord is my, sorry, my. It's personal. I have a personal relationship with him. It's not about what your relationship is. It's about what my relationship is. And he said, the Lord is my shepherd. And everything's going to be okay. Even in the worst, everything's going to be okay. And as these soldiers go into battle, many of them, of course, do not come back. And they were going around and they were recovering the bodies of the soldiers that had lost their life. And they said there were numerous bodies when they recovered it that were laying there dead, holding on to their finger. And so the, the medics are coming back with these, these bodies and they say, why are they all holding on to their finger? It's because the Lord. They were holding on to the Lord. Even in the midst of that battle, they said, I can't be afraid because God is with me. And that's for the, the next five messages that we have are going to be wrapped around those first five words of this passage of Scripture. And I'm very excited about what he's got to say, but this whole passage has so much meat for us, so much that we need to glean from, that when I'm facing trials, I can't be afraid because God is with me. Now, it's easy. If we were going somewhere and Coach Morrison and I are going somewhere and the boogeyman comes out, I'm not afraid because Tal Morrison is with me. I wouldn't fear... Well, I'd still be scared of a snake. But other than that, I wouldn't be worried because that's a fireball over there. He would probably Tasmanian devil anybody. Wouldn't bother me a bit if I was going, go on, get him, coach. But if he's not with me, I would be scared. And for a lot of us, we feel like at times we're all by ourselves. But if we've given our life to Jesus, if we've surrendered who we are, God is with us. There's a little voice in the back of our head that says it's going to be okay even when we feel like it's not. There's something we can lean back into knowing that God is there. For you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. I love that passage. I love that little part. You prepare this table in front of my enemies. You know what that means? I don't care what my enemy's doing. I'm about to eat. How many of y'all enjoy eating? I know you find it hard to believe, but I love to eat. But I couldn't imagine going into a battle and going, hey, before we get started, let me go on and eat. In the midst of our trials, that's not going to be our focus. We're going to focus on the good, on what God is. 
And that eating is something that we would equate with being good. When I was speaking with this lady the other day, she was telling me about concerns about what different people might say because her daughter is going to have a child out of wedlock. And, and she said, well, you know, what do I say? And I said, well, I don't think you say anything. I think you celebrate this child. And she just looked at me and I said, don't give anybody a chance to be negative. You can find the good in almost everything. And when I say almost, I can't think of an instance in my life where I've not found good. Even through loss of loved ones. Yesterday was my uncle's birthday. His twin brother Wayne uh, is... Uh, very special to me. He wrote for the Birmingham News for a million years. And he was writing something on Facebook last night talking about my uncle Zane, who passed away a couple of months, several months ago. And he was writing and lamenting over the loss of his brother. And, and I'm right there with him. I understand how horrible that is. But as soon as I started reading that, I started thinking about what Uncle Zane had done for me in my life. He taught me how to swim. That's pretty cool because mom couldn't because she was watching me drown and somebody pulled me out of a pool. Just like the water at the ocean. She watched me drown there. Maybe she just didn't like me. Um, but my Uncle Zane taught me how to swim. He tried to teach me how to ski. <laughs> didn't go over too well. He taught me so many things. So even though I've lost him, there's part of him that's still with me. Finding the good. Preparing a, a table in front of us, in front of our enemies. It doesn't matter how hard you attack me. I've got something good right here with me. Anoint my head with oil. Does anybody understand that? Somebody tell me what that means. Anointing your head with oil. Thank you. Putting oil on your head. Here's a, here's a really interesting fact about sheep. How many of y'all know stuff about sheep? I guess I should have started asking that. Any of y'all know anything about sheep? Nah. <laughs> so, it was bound to happen at some point. Well, let me tell you. That might have been a goat. Interesting thing about sheep. Okay, so we learned earlier, if you paid any attention at all since I've been up here, you learned that a sheep will not drink from rushing water. I was going to say Russian water, but you're like, what if they're not in Russia? <laughs> so they won't drink from water that's moving fast. Uh, they, they are not the smartest animals in the world. They're just a little bit probably smarter than I am. So they're not the smartest animal in the world. But uh, a shepherd leads them. That rod and that staff is used to protect the sheep because the sheep have enemies. There are wolves that come after them. And that, that, that staff is used to, to beat off the enemy, but it's also used when that sheep goes astray to pull them back. There are times where a sheep will walk off of a little embankment and they're stuck down and they can't get back. And that shepherd goes with his staff and he pulls them back. There's a crook in the staff. And that's the sole purpose behind that crook. So, so we understand that there are times that they are helpless, that they have to be helped as well. But when you read this passage, when David is writing this, he says, you anoint my head with oil. Every shepherd understood exactly what that meant. One of the things about sheep is they can't do this with their legs. Right? If you got a dog at home, if they get stung by a bee, which is hilarious to see, it's terrible. But they can do this to help whatever that would help. Maybe, maybe they've got food in their mustache and they're doing it. I don't know. But a dog can do this. dog can get that back leg up. I ain't going to try that. But they get that back leg up there too. A sheep can't do that. And so the reason it says that you annoy my head with oil, the number one enemy of a sheep is not a wolf. It's not a lion. It's not a bear. Oh my. It is gnats. And as crazy as that sounds... 
gnats will fly into their nose. And because they can't do any of this, those bugs are just driving them crazy. And a sheep will find a tree or a rock and start bashing their head into it. <laughs> True story. To try to keep to get the critters out of their nose. And that big pop. And they just do that. Do until they will kill themselves trying to get these things out of their nose. True story. I don't whatever the scouts honor or whatever. <laughs> They will kill themselves trying to get these gnats out of their nose and their eyes and their ears. They will ram their head into something until it absolutely kills them. So the shepherd understands that because he's dealt with sheep his whole life. And the shepherd will get a sheep, they will put them in a headlock, and they'll get oil and pour it over their heads. And it coats their face and the gnats won't go to them. There, there's meaning behind this. So all of the people that read this after David writes it, they go, oh, yeah. I know because a sheep will kill itself. It'll run into something until it dies. And they go, wait. He anoints my head with oil. God pours himself over me to protect me. To keep damage from coming my way. To keep hardships from overtaking me. They start to come to a better understanding about what David is writing. That this is more than just a farmer's almanac that he's tuning you into about taking care of sheep. The sheep are us. And Christ is our shepherd. And God is our leader. And he pours this over us to take care of. And it says that my cup overflows. There's more than I could ever use up. There's more God than I could ever use up. Surely goodness and mercy will follow me all the days of my life. And I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. God is our protection, He's our provider, and He is eternal. And His greatest desire is for you to spend eternity with Him, to dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Have you ever gone to someone's house and you just thought, man, I could just stay here forever? Um, a couple days ago, I wasn't feeling too well. And I went downstairs and I was talking to our secretaries and said, hey, I'm just going to go home. I don't feel well. And I got to my house, and the air conditioner was on about 12, so we keep it cold. And Jessica wasn't at home, and Barrett wasn't at home. And I just went home, and I sat down on the sofa. And for some reason, in that moment, it was the most comfortable I had ever been, it seems like. And I sat there on that sofa. I didn't turn the television on, which is my normal, but I didn't. I just sat there in the silence, and I listened to the buzzing in my ears because I've got buzzing in my ears all the time. But I just sat there, and I thought, man, I could just stay here all day. You ever feel that way? God has a place built for you. It's this place called heaven. And it says that you will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Eternity with God, where there is no pain, where there is no sorrow, where there is no, no anxiety. And it's a place that He's been working on for eternity. Because as far as eternity is forwards, it's backwards as well. And so before we could even imagine there, there was a God, He was creating this place for us. And when you go to a place that you want to stay, it's because everything there seems great. We've all had moments in our life where we think, man, if this could just last forever. Whether it's a conference you've gone on, whether it's a date you've been on, whether it's a vacation you've gone on, you're just like, this is the greatest. But then we have to come back to reality. That's one of the hardest things for us to understand is this eternity. 
that's laid before us. But the question comes back to, is the Lord your shepherd? Do you allow Him to lead you? As, as we talked about, that God leads us. So if He's leading us, and David says, as I'm walking through the valley of the shadow of death, it doesn't say that God leads me around it. He's leading me through it. But if He leads me to it, He's going to lead me through it. He's going to pull us through. The essence of this passage of Scripture is, you are not alone. And every need that you have, God will supply. It might not be the results you want. It might not be your idea of what you think the greatest thing should be. But it's what God has in store for us. Would you be okay with God taking control of your life and leading you down the path that, that is right? Or are you more content in trying to take your own path and hopefully end up on the right street? My prayer is that as we study this passage, as we get deeper into the first five words of this passage, that we'd understand that there's power in God. And there's a power that you're going to find through this passage of Scripture is going to hopefully give you a better understanding of what your shepherd is. Let's pray.